So my philosophy is burn the wagon. Like burn the wagon. We don't need the wagon. That is very much about the, you know, masculine, linear, dogmatic approach to whatever it is. And you can't fall off the wagon if there is no wagon, right? And what if it's not this linear path towards where we want to go, but more of a dance and that we can like enjoy the whole process. And also wagons are boring. This is the self-care mission and I am thrilled to welcome my first interview guest, Kelly Kincaid, a holistic nutritionist and health coach based in Portland, Oregon, but she can help you no matter where you are. And in fact, she is here to help you today. We talk about so many amazing things. We talk about nutrition, we talk about energy, we talk about radical responsibility. She has many great ideas and recommendations, and I certainly hope that you enjoy this episode. Let's get to it. Kelly Kincaid, welcome. <laughs> To the self-care mission. Thank you. I am super excited to be here. That's amazing. So we met originally, I guess this is sort of appropriate for the self-care mission. Mm. We met at a self-love brunch mm -hmm. uh, hosted by the now gone Irving mm. Street Kitchen mm -hmm. to rise again as Cooperativa here in Portland, Oregon. And you were just uh, a guest that day. I was doing chair massage and yep. that's what we met. And I kept your card and I started following you on Instagram. Yep. Where you do many inspiring things mm -hmm. and you speak about health and wellness and nutrition and all of the things. So many things. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can do. always get a little boost by checking out your story. So oh, good. I'm, I'm often there. I love it. Except when I get overwhelmed, then it so I, sometimes when I get too much wellness information, I, still, I feel guilty. Like I go the wrong way. Yeah. 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 You got to just like, you know, know when to turn the hose on and know when to turn the hose off. Yeah. Sometimes it's supportive and sometimes it's like a tsunami. Depends on your state. Yeah, for sure. So just as a little primer, I wanted to get to take a little, take the temperature of your feelings about self-care. How do you think about it? Are any frameworks that have been helpful for you? Is it, has it been triggering for you in the past? Like it's something, it's very like like self hashtag self-care something like it's very commercialized these days. anyway yeah. how do you think about it and what does it sort of mean to you lately yeah so I've always been a fan of self-care like before it was cool I was just called selfish you know when I wanted to spend time for myself and I think it there's many iterations of this in my personal journey of what this looks like and how it unfolds and what is best supportive at different times um but I'm a huge fan of self-care. And like I'll talk about later, to me, it's not just like hashtag self-care Sunday, taking a bubble bath, painting your nails, like buying something nice. It's the hard work. It's soul work. It's shadow work. It's um, doing things that you don't want to do sometimes. It's like meal prepping. It's doing the dishes. It's having a tough conversation with somebody. It's having boundaries. Like these are all part of self-care. So I really am part of like a holistic self-care model that is really like about parenting yourself and taking care of yourself on many mm. different um, dimensions. And that's not just physical, that's emotional, that's mental, that's spiritual, it's relational. Um, so all of those things need to be accounted for when you're really talking about the self. Amazing. So how lately, how do you show up for yourself? What, what is that, what does your toolkit look like presently as we sit here? Yeah. Amidst the coronavirus and 2020 and the strangest year of all time. Yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, this is definitely a wild ride. Um, I also see this as an amazing opportunity to step into 
the most expansive and loving and um and just like badass version of yourself um this is a crucible experience so for me this is more of a time of doing the hard things having hard conversations with people setting boundaries uh, speaking my voice with radical honesty um those are kind of some of the hard work things that I'm doing. And then and then I also have things that bring magic and joy to my life. And those are my daily consistent things. So to me, self-care is like, it's like building a house or like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You've got to take care of that basic or foundational things first. So that is like taking care of your body, um, meal prepping, sleeping well, eating good food, um, you know, having good relationships, like those things are really important. And then you can get more into the like spiritual, mental, emotional work of self-care. So for me, I find the magic really in my morning ritual that really sets my day off onto the right start for self-care so that I can like have better habits throughout the day to take care of myself. So that's where it really starts with me and everything kind of, um, blooms from there. That's, that's great. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to process that and think about how how often I'm not showing up for my own self lately, which is sort of the the birthplace of a lot of this mm. this project. But I, I can certainly speak to it to it myself, but maybe you could talk about a time. What did it look like when you didn't show up for yourself? Or are there still times even as you're sort of like coaching other people and you're an advocate for wellness and mm. and just doing it all from the outside looking in anyway, doing it all right. Are there times when you still fall short in your own opinion, I guess? Yeah. Um, Well, I will say that my biggest struggle in life has been not showing up for myself and not showing up for other people. That has dramatically changed for me now, but I can support other people in this because I have been there so Mm. many times and it has been like a core wound and a core struggle for me and I really turned that struggle into my strength and now I've got tools and strategies to support myself and have grace and compassion for myself when I feel like I'm not showing up the way I want to be because it's really it's not a uh you know ultimatum of either you show up and you're good or you don't show up and you're bad like there is life that happens in between there and when we can have move with a little more fluidity and grace and compassion with ourselves, then we can show up and offer that to other people when they don't aren't able to show up for themselves um so saying that my my struggle around not showing up for myself really i think has been had been rooted in not trusting myself hmm not trusting myself to make the right decisions um, and to to do what I say I'm going to do. So that has been a big part of my own evolution is putting small deposits every day into my self-trust bank. Just small commitments that like, hey, I'm showing up for you today, Kelly. Like I've got this, like small things. Did I say I was gonna go on a walk this morning? Okay, well, I didn't do the 30 minute walk, but I walked around the block great. Like I made that deposit. So that's kind of how I started to change things is, is start to prove to my body and, and prove to myself that I am here. I am listening and I am for you. I've got your back. And when you, well, not you, when I, so that makes sense (laughs) to me. And I I have those moments too, where I'm like, I am going to commit to myself to run the mile in the morning Mm -hmm. or get on the rower or whatever it is not eat like an idiot (laughs) and then the next morning shows up and I don't run and I don't row and I eat like a huge idiot yeah so and then and then 
I'm hard on myself for all of those failures. And mm. then the cycle perpetuates mm-hmm. even worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, any thoughts about getting out of that cycle? Yeah. Um, well, that's where that grace and compassion really have to come in. Grace you know? and compassion. I'm going to write that down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that requires a more fluid approach to wellness and to your life. So I think, you know, that's another way I practice self-care is understanding when I'm stepping into my masculine and my feminine. And these are just energies that we both need to embody masculine and feminine. The masculine is I got to do all of this, right? Fix, solve and save. The feminine is like grace and compassion. It's fluidity. It's like understanding that things are not always going to be, uh, either this way or that way. It's kind of living in the gray zone and all the different shades of that. Right. So that's where that can be like, okay, it doesn't, it's not a linear path towards wellness or towards right or toward your, towards your best life. When you can embrace the concept of like these twists and turns and the mystery and a lot of times whatever it is that you're in has got a message for you. It's got some wisdom there. Yeah. I, and so. you can't logic your way through it, <laughs> right? Can't. That's part of the thing. Like I it, want to. Yeah, yeah. And that's a masculine approach and that's okay. But, you know, finding that balance inside of you that is both the divine masculine and the divine feminine. Oh man. Uh, I, I have so many, so many times I've failed and fallen off the, the, the quote unquote wagon. Yes. I don't know about this wagon anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Get rid of the wagon. Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about the wagon. So my philosophy is burn the wagon, like burn the wagon. We don't need the wagon. That is very much about the you know, masculine, linear, dogmatic approach to whatever it is. And you can't fall off the wagon if there is no wagon, right? And what if it's not this linear path towards where we want to go, but more of a dance and that we can like enjoy the whole process. And also wagons are boring. Like who wants (laughs) to always be doing the right thing, the right thing all the time? You know, that's dull. That's one dimensional. And that rigidity creates binging or creates its equal and equal opposite, right? So the more that we put pressure on ourselves to try to do this one thing, the more we're going to not want to do that and then subconsciously betray ourselves because we're not getting, giving ourselves enough breathing room in our life and in our journey, whatever that looks like. What has helped you as you have taken on clients for coaching for, for their health? What helps you convince them to show up and to be consistent and to, to get there, to really take control? Yeah. Um, well, you know, it looks different for everybody. Like I always meet people where they're at. And I think that's really important. Not being like, okay, you need to do X, Y, and Z. Like if you're not there, that's not going to support you. Right. You need somebody to come down where you are and say, I see you, I feel you, and you're not alone. Being seen, heard, and loved is, you know, what we all need and what we all want. So that's crucial. That's number one. That in itself can start to unlock and shift some energy in somebody Hmm. when they know that somebody else is there to support them and not try to change heal or fix them right yeah um so that's number one and then also in the beginning of every session when i first start working with a client we envision their ideal life like what do you want your life to look like right and you know come up with all of the things and don't hold back and create this beautiful vision for your life and then create this ideal vision for your day and then tap into what does that feel like like if you create this vision for your life and then your day What are the feelings during the day that you are looking for to get from this outside life? Is it peace? Is it calm? Is it connected? Tap into those. And then we discover their three core words, like these core words that they want to imbue their life with. 
Hmm. And then I ask them to, as they go about their day, notice when they feel calm, notice when they feel connected, like tap into that and be like, oh, beautiful. Thank you. This is it. I think often we want to get there, wherever there is, but there is no there. There's only here. So when we can acknowledge these things that we want and that the, the feeling is already present with us, that can shift a lot of things. That also speaks to the why. So this is really important is tapping into why do you want to do this? Mm. Why do you want to make these changes? Why do you want to be on a wagon? Like what is the end result going to get you? And what is it you're really looking for? Um, Usually it's not to like just lose a few pounds. Like you've been there and then you lose a few pounds and then what? You still are the same person inside. You're still Mm -hmm. feeling the same, having the same thoughts. It's just the outer circumstances, the furniture of your life has been rearranged. So it really takes a lot more inner work on that. So yeah, getting getting clear on your ideal vision for your life, tapping into the, your core desired feelings, and then be, staying connected to your why. Yeah. And then after that, we just take small, consistent steps that put these deposits in the self-bank trust, in the self-trust bank. And, and then slowly but surely, you start to build up these habits and these patterns that serve you, and then you crave them, and then you're ready to take it to the next level. Yeah, that's that why has really has been a struggle in my personal life. Mm. I I think I emailed you when we were setting this up about how I've like lost and regained the same 30 pounds over yeah. and over again and I would always try to like reframe it. It'd be like this it's for me right now and then it would later be like it's for my now ex-wife. Uh, which that might have had something to do with it, but that's another story. Uh, I'm going to do it for my kids. I want to set an example. And like, I, it's like I, I don't settle on a why mm. long enough to make the the changes that I want to make, or mm. I haven't found the right why, or I, mean, I haven't been honest about the why. So mm. this is a good reminder to explore that a little more for myself. Yeah. Do you find that people ever have a hard time, like really, do, does a client ever come to you and be like, here's my why? And you're like, that's not it. <laughs> You're like, you think that's it, but that's not it. I mean, honestly, that happens for a lot of people because we can't really know what we don't know, right? So if we're stuck in our frame of mind, wherever we're at right now, we can't think outside of that box. Like that is really hard. Um, That's why sometimes, you know, starting to shift the energy inside of us with food and, you know, practices that we can suddenly start to feel better. We can think better, like truly 100%. Mm. So I think it's not like everything. You don't always get it right on the first try. But you have to have some sort of lodestone, some sort of guiding force that is drawing you forward. And you can always come back to that and change your relationship to that. But you have to have a relationship to something bigger than you. Um, For me, I mean, I I imbue my practice with a spiritual approach. That Mm -hmm. doesn't mean I, you know, um, like name it right but it's more just like a relationship to something bigger than yourself whatever that looks like and i ask my clients to develop that more and to get tuned into that more and i think that's where it really comes from if we're just trying to do things for ourselves, like kind of what's the point you know like we're great but we are social beings we need to have interactions with other people with the earth with you know the mystery realm that we're all living in here so i think when we can find our place in that things start to shift. Yeah. And I, as I'm sort of like still grappling with this, the self-care mission as part of its mission statement, if you will, is to take better care of each other by first taking better care of ourselves and to take better care of the world by, by focusing on self-care. So yes, maybe, maybe my why will start to coalesce as I dig deeper into the self-care mission and talk to more amazing people like yourself. Yeah. 
and you're doing it like you're you're doing it right now by what you're doing right you're showing up for yourself and for other people to be of service and a lot of times once you get in that flow you're like damn this feels good like i want to have more energy for this project i want to have more focus and energy so i can keep bringing more of this to the world so um you're 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 in it you're already in here your i why. am i'm doing great <laughs> yeah i'm gonna be okay you're in your why Amazing. Okay, so since I have you here, can you and you know, based on your your experience as a holistic nutritionist and health coach, um, give me your approach to nutrition. Like, yeah. W- w- I don't know if you. Actually, I do know because I've, I've I follow you on the Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> so I know you talk about uh, bio individuality yes. and getting a very personalized approach. But is there anything that's that tends to be common? Yeah. You're not, I, I don't think I've never gotten the impression that you're telling people to be vegan or to, to eat meat or to not eat meat or to eat this or to eat, not eat that. It's very like focused. So if you could talk about your approach to nutrition in particular, this bio individuality component, I would be very interested. Yeah. To yeah. So, so it's kind of twofold. Um, the bio individuality is really important because we are all unique and different. Like I'm not going to put you in a box and give you a protocol and just be like, well, this is, this is what you got to do. You've got the internet for that. And we all know that that doesn't work. If you just like Google something and try to do it, it doesn't stick and it doesn't work. Um, so everybody is very unique. That being said, I always work with the foundations first. So these are all, you know, um, universal and everybody needs to cover these and work on these. Uh, these are things like, um, digestion, blood sugar regulation, mineral balance, hydration, fatty acid balance, nutrient dense foods, so that's going to, all these categories are going to look different as far as how we strategize and to optimize those mm-hmm. in yourself. But those are something that I work on with every client. And that's where the bio individuality comes from. Correct. How does that assessed? Is that like, do you have to test my blood? Do you um, just get a sense of it from my energy level? Like, how does that come about? Yeah, both. I will be doing lab tests coming up soon. I'm almost completed with that program. Um, so that is something that I do like to incorporate. Mm-hmm. I think labs have tremendous value. However, um, in the beginning of a session, I take a pretty extensive intake form. Like, I want to know, like all the things right not just like where you are now but like were you um a cesarean section did you have a lot of antibiotics growing up like did you where did you grow up was it you want to know how people were born yeah that's you go way back yeah yeah no i know i get it yeah yeah yeah. one of my children was a c-section one wasn't so yeah i I know all about that yeah and this is important for our microbiome so these all give me clues as to kind of the cards we were dealt with initially right which do play a role of like where do we need to focus so the in, in the intake form i also want to know like what's your support system what's your relationship status like how happy are you at your job these things are all part of health. That's why I don't not just like, okay, eat some carrots and go home. All these other factors play a role in this. Oh, so, man, facing all those questions, just as you said them, I was like, it raised my anxiety a little bit. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, That's it shouldn't do stuff. that. No, it's good, but, it's good. Um, you know, it's a compassionate inquiry is what it is and holding space for what comes up because a lot of people are not used to answering these questions. So when you have somebody else that's, you know, holding space and asking this, it can bring up, it can bring up a lot of stuff. Um, So that's definitely one part of it. And then I also do a pretty thorough symptom assessment questionnaire. And that's with stuff that you're experiencing right now that you don't, I could say, what are your symptoms? And you'd be like, well, well, I don't know. Um, Not really sure this and that and the other. But if I give you this list and I'm like, are you experiencing this, that or the other? Um, I can start to put the pieces together, right? Like you think mm-hmm. chipping fingernails and little bumps on the back of your arm aren't related. They are. 
right? Check you... my arms now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so these these are little things that um, give me clues from the outside in as to what is going on. Also, we assess things like energy level and sleep. And of course, like, are you experiencing anxiety? What's your mind frame right now? So um, that combined with blood work is the most powerful way to really assess what's happening. What if someone told you, uh, asking for a friend, (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh, that when they try to go to sleep, they find that their throat starts to close and their heart starts racing? Um, Does that sound bad? <laughs> no, I don't want to give you anxiety. I don't want to put it. this friend on blast. Uh. <laughs> that could be a lot of things because yeah. you know our mind really has a huge role in our body, like uh, more you know more than you think. Like mm-hmm. through the vagus nerve. Are you familiar with the vagus nerve? Mm-hmm. So that connects the brain to the rest of the body and especially to the microbiome. So a lot of times there can be an association with something. If you have like uh, had a lot of anxiety going to sleep and you lay down in your bed, you're in that same space. Your body is having that biochemical reaction to that. You know what's so funny? I was actually, so uh, in case you didn't get the joke, that I do actually encounter that from time to time where like I'm like calm all day and then like only when I lay down, like heart starts racing mind starts spinning but I was remembering when I was little when I was a kid I would often have this sense that like there was no guarantee that I was going to live through the night Mm. when I would like I was like am I going to wake up like there was that old childhood prayer I had like if I die before I wake I pray pray the Lord my soul to take yeah I'm like I might not wake up like it's in the prayer like yeah (laughs) that is intense for a kid like I didn't even like I kind of put that together this past week and I was like man what a weird thing to teach kids to recite like really like wait I might not wake up how bizarre so yeah I wonder if there's some of that there yeah, yeah yeah I mean we you know our our brain has residue of this stuff even if you can't remember it the fact that you can remember it says quite a bit um, but our brain you know remembers that and sends signals to our body to go back into that same place of how you felt where you're probably adrenaline starts racing your mind starts going cortisol raises um, you know your body's in that fight or flight biochemical place just yeah. from that thought so and I was like maybe oddly sensitive as a kid or something like I would re- like my mind would start to be like what what's my mom gonna do when she finds my body and what are oh all my, my siblings gonna oh. think what are the funeral be like like this is yeah like, I'm like nine years old like wow yeah so weird hyper vigilant of of death and sleep <laughs> I guess. yeah oh. yeah strange yeah the things we anyway, and you can so, you can do some brain rewiring you know yeah that's a thing through like meditation or well, therapy, I assume, and yeah. Yeah, I mean EDMR is that what it's called? That that can definitely rewire the brain. Yeah. Um, but you can actually do brain rewiring. Uh, Doctor Joe Dispenza does this. Oh yes, I've seen you mention this name many times. Yes, I assume. I, I assume when I ask you what books you recommend, he's going to come up. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He'll come up. But I mean, he talks about this all in a very scientific understanding of how you know you can really restructure. The brains, you just need a positive association that is stronger than the negative one. And when you cultivate that with a coherent heart, which you can measure through like heart math, um, does a lot of work around this, that can like rewire these neural pathways in your brain. So it's 100% possible. Huh. Let go of these uh, crazy, not crazy. And you don't even troubling childhood imagination. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you don't even let them go. They just, something else comes over. 
you know, oh, and okay. replaces them. So it's not like, let this go, let this go. Like that never works to be like, I don't want to think about the white elephant in the room, right? Yeah. Then it's like, that's the only thing you think about. So you have to literally like do a tsunami of new information over top of that that is more important to your brain mm. and more powerful as a snapshot. And then that's what can rewire these. Cool. Yeah. So, so outside of just nutrition specifically, although I'm sure this is one of the elements of the, the answer to this, what do you see as like keystone habits that people should really dial in to unlock? Are there like, cause it's like hard to focus on all the things, mm-hmm. but maybe I'm guessing maybe sleep, maybe mm-hmm. nutrition. Are there keystone things to really like hone in on to get your health back? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I pretty much kind of start in the same place with all of my clients. Yeah. And the first thing is cutting out processed foods. I know you probably heard this, but... Oh, I've heard it, but I still have plenty. Yeah, so it's because it's not as easy as like, oh, just ditch the processed foods. Like, I hate when people say that because it's like, oh, just ditch it. Like, now what am I supposed to eat? Or like, you know, I'm really craving this food because there's usually something happening in the body that's causing that craving. So having compassion around that. But truly processed foods create a chemical storm in your body that make it so much more difficult to feel well. So when I say cut out processed foods, what I really mean is eat whole foods, mm-hmm. eat real whole foods. And that takes some training. That's what I work with my clients on is like, okay, if you're not buying anything in a box or a can or a package, what are you going to eat? And like kind of getting back to the basics around how to roast a chicken, how to like meal prep your veggies, how to roast veggies, like how to make a plan for your food. So you're not sitting there overwhelmed with a fridge full of um, raw vegetables when you're hungry and then you just reach for the box of mac and cheese Mm -hmm. but you have a plan in place and you know what you're doing so that it becomes easier to eat these real foods than these packaged foods that's like really important because um, I can even tell with myself when I do eat some packaged foods some processed foods like I can't think as well. I'm not as on it. I'm not as sharp. I don't have the compassion for myself. It's just really, um, it's amazing how quick a difference that makes just that one thing. Yeah. Oh man, I've struggled with processed foods a lot. It's like that, that convenience factor coupled with the, this, like the, the trickiness of like, how they make them seem like they're healthy yeah (laughs) totally when it's got enough labels on there like non-gmo and gluten-free and heart healthy and whatever yeah um but the convenience thing is key and what like what i teach my clients and what i'm really big on is meal prep so you know paint it paint it ahead of time on like Sundays and Wednesdays are the days that I usually tell clients depending on their schedule to meal prep. So you pick some days, you eat ahead of time before you go to the grocery store, right? Mm. Like you have a meal, even if it's processed food, whatever, have a meal. Um, And there is some healthy processed foods you can have, just not most of them. And then be in a very clear state of mind, have your list, have your recipes in your plan, go to the store, come home, turn on some music, pour a glass of wine if, if that's your thing, and like have a little party in your kitchen and like prepare your foods ahead of time for the week to set yourself up for for the week what about like proteins that are already prepared for me is that is that sketch like are they adding stuff that i need to be careful about like where what do you mean like trader joe's already has chicken that's cooked so i don't have to cook it oh. convenience but is, is processed. organic grass-fed or pasture-raised sometimes sometimes not yeah yeah i would definitely go with you know only organic um pasture-raised yeah. chickens just because the other ones have a lot of nasties Horm- in them and, and yeah. hormones and antibiotics and everything um 
But, you know, as, as much as possible, I think it's just better to do things yourself. You never know what they're putting in there. The only kind of pre-prepared proteins that I really like for convenience are grass-fed beef protein powder, mm. which like that I have clients do, you know, like f- for instance. Is that like a flavorless here. thing? Um, this one's uh, vanilla flavored and I really oh, like it. Vanilla beef. No, you don't taste the beef. <laughs> it's not like chunks of beef in Where's there. Where's the beef? <laughs> it actually tastes really good. But like before coming here, you know, I needed to make sure I had enough protein to have energy and focus during this. So I just had some protein powder and some water and shook it up and I'm ready to rock. Um, so that's my convenience food, right? And in my truck, I always carry uh, grass-fed beef jerky and a small package of macadamia nuts. I don't want to let myself get too hungry and then make bad decisions. Oh, that's why I make bad decisions. Yeah. That's not the that's, that's not the only reason. Yeah. Um, have you come to take away my coffee? <laughs> um, so because you thing. had your fancy uh, grass fed, wonderful, healthy thing. I had espresso. Yeah. Before yeah. you arrived. Here's yeah. the thing. Yeah. I am all about good, better, and best options. Yes. I, I wrote that down. Good, better, best when yeah. I was doing my research. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. So I must be saying that I know enough. that you're not coming to take my coffee. Yet, but right. I would love for you to talk about your feelings on coffee. Yeah. Well, let me just say good, better, and best always. So, you know, there's, there's best options and then there's okay options. So if you're going to drink coffee, make it a damn good coffee. And there's some strategies I have around that of like how to, you know, best support yourself. So um, I like uh, purity coffee is one of my favorites because it is uh, roasted for the most health benefits and it doesn't have any mycotoxins. That's a big problem with coffee is mold toxins in your coffee. Um, so getting the best coffee you can, super important. And then I would say, Eating with your coffee, eating something small with your coffee is going to help blunt that um, release of caffeine into the system and then the, you know, rising adrenaline and cortisol after that. So that would be my suggestion with coffee. And does good, better, best also apply to something like, like take my protein example. It's better for me to eat pre-cooked Trader Joe's chicken breast than it is to eat a Pop-Tart. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. That's where the good comes in. Yes. Yeah. This is also the feminine approach, right? So it's not like good, bad. It's like good, better, and best. There's like just shades of gray here. And you'll always, as you know more, you can do more. Um, but I'd rather you eat something than starve and eat nothing. And I, then if you're going one level up, I'd rather you eat like the best version of that possible, right? That makes that makes sense. In, in practice in my life, it's proven challenging to implement well what's what it's part so, of it is challenging it's so it's just my history with all of with nutrition is so like like i i, I tend to do all or nothing kind of mm. or i i've regularly been affected by this like i i don't i don't i haven't decided if this podcast is gonna be for kids this effort mentality <laughs> like well, you made a mistake and you yeah. had that slice of pizza at the party. Might as well also have the ice cream. And yeah. then the next morning, the pancakes. And yeah. then like two weeks later, I come out of a fugue state. And I'm like, <laughs> who am I? Where, where are we? Why do I feel terrible about yes. everything? Yeah. I have so been there. It's I that like, that. I don't know. It's, it's, it's so illogical. Like when, you, when I tell you about it, it sounds so ridiculous. Like mm. you had a slice of pizza. Like get over it. And yeah. I and other people in my life have been like, why, why can't you just handle that? Like, yeah, I don't I don't know where that's born from. I don't think I'm alone with that. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe you've advised people on this kind of thing before. This yeah. like just for just throw it all out. Just give me all the candy now because I'm clearly incapable of being healthy. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's something I call the effort diet. Oh, and, see, that's it. Yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. And I've been there. So I know the effort diet because it's um, it's a that's totally a frame of mind. And like we were talking about earlier with a masculine feminine, that's like the feminine approach. That's the wagon right there. Right. If you if you're on the wagon, you're on the wagon. If you fall off, then you're just going to like, you know, turn around and go back instead of being like, OK, a little bit of grace and compassion. I had that pizza. It was damn delicious, by the way. Like I want to enjoy whatever indulgences that that that's what I tell my clients too. like if you're going to go out to eat and you're going to like eat something, you know, outside of something that makes you feel good, enjoy it. When you enjoy it fully, you're able to digest it. You have a different relationship to it than Mm -hmm. like, oh, that was bad, but I'm going to keep doing it. That feeds that addictive cycle. And a lot of times it's the things that we're addicted to that are not good for us. Right. So that's definitely kind of mirrors that situation. For sure. So let's take, so let's, try to tap into some of your wisdom here let's imagine someone i mean i've definitely been here more than once in my life but someone who's like living a typical standard american diet kind of lifestyle Mm -hmm. maybe even a sort of sedentary lifestyle um what's i don't know three to ten however many you want what are some like just things they can start now to get them in the right direction. I mean, these might be things you've already kind of touched on, but yeah. So, I mean, the one would be eat more real food as much as you can. Right. So if that means that you have to have like a prepackaged dinner for convenience, like see if you can like make eggs and bacon for breakfast. Right. Or have a salad, homemade salad for lunch or whatever it is. Like again, adding these small deposits into your self-trust bank and building momentum in the right direction. So just doing more real food, that would be my number one. The second one is drink more water. These Mm. sound basic, but you know, I come across many people that are like, yeah, I know that I just don't do it. I'm like, well, that's why I'm here to tell you because it doesn't help us if we know it, but don't do it. Water is so important. A lot of times we think we're hungry. We're really thirsty. A lot of times when we can't focus, it's because we're just slightly dehydrated. But that, you know, if we're 2% dehydrated in our body, cognitive capacity goes down by 20%. So that's huge. So yeah. if you're trying to like do things and, and you know, be efficient, if you're dehydrated, that's going to be a major problem. You're not mm-hmm. going to think clearly. So those are two big ones. Um, and then the third one I would say is eat in a relaxed state. Hmm. So this is so important and honestly took me so long to do. Like this was a my Achilles heel because I was always eating on the go or just like quickly eating or like I, I wouldn't even really taste my food. No, my kids make fun of me so much for how fast I can eat. Yeah. And I know exactly where it comes from. Oh. Because when I was in high school, I did a lot of theater Mm. and it was always like and choir and like other stuff and I was like always it always seemed like a breakneck thing like I have this to be at this to be at you'd have to eat in between scenes like yeah. I, I think that's where I learned to eat fast like yeah. it's really not good and I'm still stuck I don't I eat fat I will finish before I've even really processed what I'm having <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. well so these are deeper. Yeah. so that goes back to my point like you can do all these things but you have to do the inner work you have to go back and uncover where these things are coming from, look at them and start to shift your relationship to it, right? So if we just change the actions, but inside we're still the same, we're not going to actually see results. So that's a really big key thing that I work on my clients with is mindset and soul work and all this other stuff. Um, but that being said, that's like a living in a stress response, right? And as a animal, you're like, eat everything you can just in case, like, I don't know what's happening next. Well, your body doesn't digest that food. 
right? Because all of its energy is going out towards your limbs to fight, flight, or freeze. Mm. And then it's just sitting in there. It's, it basically can lead to leaky gut and other issues in your gut, lead to nutrient deficiencies because you're not absorbing this food. And then it can lead to neurotransmitter imbalances because you need to really fully digest your proteins to get these amino acids that make neurotransmitters that keep us happy and calm and centered and all these other things. So that is the biggest thing really that that people can do is eat in a relaxed state and chew your food really well. How I get my clients to eat in a relaxed state is kind of a little biohack. It's a breathwork biohack. So there's been Ooh. a lot of research around this. I have this on the list too. Oh, which, and you can go into it now. I was going to ask you what some of your favorite breathwork yeah. tactics are like. Five, yes. Four, what is it? 578478378. Four, seven, okay, 478. Yeah. And then there's like the single nostril one. And yep. I, there's all sorts of them. Yeah, there's all and, sorts. Yeah. Um, 478 is my favorite and it's easy to remember. So with all breath work or just in general, you really want to focus on belly breathing. So that means when you inhale, your your belly goes out a little bit. We're not used to doing this. We're always kind of like locked up and like breathing from our chest. But when we breathe from our belly, that signals to the body that's in a relaxed state. And it also actually helps digestion because um, on a physical level, it actually, the diaphragm will massage the organs like the Hmm. liver. So when you take a belly breath, you inhale for the count of four and you hold your breath for the count of seven. And then you slowly exhale through your nose for the count of eight. Uh. And what this does is it signals to the body via the vagus nerve that we are in a parasympathetic state. Parasympathetic is the rest and digest mode. Yeah, yeah. Right? So it kind of, I don't want to say tricks your body, but it shortcuts that circuit. Instead of having to like actually get there, you can get your body there first and then your mind will follow. Yeah. I was, I was thinking it's so funny. So we're actually recording this. We're sitting across from each other at my massage table because I'm a yeah. massage therapist. <laughs> when people, they'll, this happens all the time. Their stomach will get really loud about mm. 45 minutes in. And they're always like, oh, I guess I'm hungry. I'm so sorry. That's so embarrassing. It's like, <laughs> I'm like, rest and digest. Like, yeah. you're relaxed now. This is good. Yeah. This means I'm doing my job. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Snoring and stomach noises. That always makes me feel like I'm doing good work. Oh, yeah. yeah. And your work is directly related to uh, vagal tone, to increasing somebody's vagal tone. Yeah. Yeah, that's really important. So vagus nerve activation is a really big deal that most of us don't um, have. And that's, uh, can be associated with so many chronic conditions, especially with poor digestion and like IBS and other things that people experience Hmm. working on your vagal tone is really important. Vagal tone. Yeah. So massage is, is one way to work your, your vagal tone. Um, singing and humming is another. So I sang the whole way here. Um, and I do, I put on my favorite, um, song in the morning and I sing. Uh, what did you sing on the way here? Um, so I like to sing kirtan music. Okay. Which is like Indian devotional music oh, to okay. Krishna and Shiva and things like that. I like it. Um, it's just really fun. I've I've always really liked Kirtan and I'm a yogi, you know, by nature. So yeah, yeah. It, it speaks to me. Um, so in the morning, that's what one of the first things I'll do is put on a song and sing to that. Actually, before I do that, I'll gargle some water that also helps the vagal tone. Oh. Gargling. And then also gagging, which is not so fun. But you can take a uh, tongue scraper and sort of gag gag the back of your mouth that will stimulate your vagal reflex really? yeah mm-hmm. that one seems bizarre that sounds uncomfortable um you know you should get more comfortable being uncomfortable just in general oh. in life 
bring keeping it real over here. Not you, but uh, just you know, everybody. You should get uncomfortable. <laughs> but you should. A, no, that, you're right. I should. Yeah, yeah, and we all should. And that, like, another one is uh, taking a cold shower, or at least the last few minutes, like having a really cold water right on your the back of your neck there. But you can't freak out about it. You have to be like calm about it. But that creates resilience, right? That's we want to be able to show up in uncomfortable situations and still like be grounded and centered in ourselves. And when we can create these mini scenarios where we're just outside of our comfort zone and every day we push it a little bit like that's how we build strong robust um people do you do the cold shower thing um i've been starting to but i don't do just part of it yeah just the last just the end yeah just like the last few seconds drop it all the way down yeah like what like a minute 30 seconds yeah up to like 30 seconds to a minute but i'm only at like 10 seconds but i try to um embody like tony robbins because he always talks about doing this first thing in the morning yeah all the cool guys do like tim ferris Ferris, yeah um so you know they're taking cold plunges i'm just like in the shower with some cold water for. i will say i um i guess a couple years ago now i was in prague this weird like not weird it's amazing this like um sauna place and they would do these rituals and these dry saunas and they they're like the wooden ones is that the sauna the dry one the yeah 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 and they bring in a ice ball with uh essential oil in it oh cool and they put it on the heating element and so it starts to steam wow and and this is like this is europe so everyone's either in like some sort of toga or naked yeah and they start whipping a towel around and it (laughs) fills this and you get crazy hot like hot, like i had to leave a couple times like i couldn't handle it mm. it was so hot yeah but then that was the one time like i could actually and then you leave and there's ice plunge right next there's like a 50 degree oh, pool yeah. right next door yeah I, I would do that more often if i had access to it yeah, I, does, I, does that exist in portland um i'm sure it exists other places around the country but probably not in the same not in this way not in this like very open with bodies and people walking yeah yeah and I this is a it, classic yeah. this is like an old school technique like they know what they're doing this isn't like biohacking for them it's biohacking for us because we're not you know we don't have this ingrained in our culture you can't just go somewhere and go to like the turkish baths or whatever you know like yeah. this is um but this is old world culture for sure so they yeah. know they know what they're doing so i want to jump back to the because we were talking about standard american diet stuff and i know mm-hmm. this is uh something you've been posting about lately how are the, my bad food choices contributing to my anxiety? Yes. And I have a history with anxiety. I've never taken medication for it. I've been diagnosed with some sort of anxiety disorder. And I just, I know that it's better when I eat well, but I think mm-hmm. you can speak more eloquently about why it makes me better feel better when I eat well. Yeah, yeah. So there's a couple factors here. Um, food in particular, basically anxiety is rooted in inflammation, right? So all chronic disease is correlated with inflammation, but anxiety in particular. So when you eat um, inflammatory foods, that creates a stress response in your body. And then you start to feel anxious. So it's literally your body is stressed and then your brain follows. Um, So inflammatory foods that I talk about are gluten. Gluten is very inflammatory and grains for some people as well. They need to eliminate grains. Um, processed vegetable oil. So that's anything cooked in like canola oil, anything fried, um, safflower oil, all of that stuff. It's highly inflammatory mm-hmm. in the body. And then we're looking at, um, oh, I forgot the other ones, but I just posted uh, about them. Yeah, uh, yeah. everyone I will, <gasps> will, will be sent to see your 
your Instagram. And yeah, yeah. Gluten and grains and processed vegetable oil and sugar, obviously. Dairy. Um, and dairy can definitely be a trigger yeah. for some people. Yeah. Alcohol can be a trigger. Um, coffee, unfortunately, caffeine will mm. definitely stimulate that stress response in the body. So those are some some basic things. But also, like I was saying before, with digestion, you need to be able to digest and assimilate your protein your grass-fed and uh, pasture-raised animal protein to make amino acids that are precursors for these ser- these neurotransmitters that play a huge role in anxiety. We're talking about serotonin, dopamine. Um, those are kind of some of the big ones. But we need um, we need our animal-raised or our grass-fed raised proteins to make those. And a lot of people a aren't eating enough protein, aren't eating quality protein, and have compromised guts. Oh, oh my. <laughs> yeah, but that's where working with so a practitioner can really yeah. help uncover what's going on. And that's just like one of the food things. So, you know, with all this stuff, it's not as easy as like, oh, just do this and you'll feel this. No, yeah. we You're are not going to a BuzzFeed list is not going to get you out of this. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like we are complicated, dynamic beings and there's lots of different things going on. And this is why I am trained to play health detective, to really act as a health detective and uncover these different patterns that you're experiencing because food is just one of them. But we also have, you know, HPA axis dysfunction known as like adrenal fatigue Uh. or adrenal issues. Low thyroid can play a role in this. Um, Microbiome imbalances, IBS. uh, There's so many things that can affect our... um, our our anxiety and it's a stress in the body and then we feel it and then it creates a vicious cycle indeed so okay now we have so we were just talking about i mean in a roundabout way it's uh, the unhealthy american diet type of person so now let's imagine you have someone who has like more of a healthy lifestyle dialed in they're for for our purposes they're eating the right things they're getting exercise they're drinking the water Mm -hmm. how does that healthy ish person i don't know what i'm saying <laughs> how does that, yeah. how's that person level up a little yeah. bit um i'm about to get real weird on you like this is next level next level biohacking i love weird this okay. is amazing coffee enemas coffee enemas that, i did not see that coming <laughs> really exactly. that's where we're going <laughs> yeah yeah holy smokes we're going for the booty buzz wow i'm all about it it is amazing um and that will up level your health so much because it's an amazing detoxifier energizer um it can really like once you are healthy you need to start focusing on detox you can't do that if you're standard american diet you need to do all you can't you know skip these steps you need to do this in order so don't jump straight to the coffee enemas people yeah right that's right okay although it is in like that is going to be important for detox but if you are in you know phase one you need to focus on just getting your your foundations right Mm -hmm. um but coffee enemas can help open up the drainage pathway so if you are doing other detox protocols it's going to help eliminate toxins that being said it also stimulates your liver which will, um, it actually irritates your liver to the point that it uh, releases, it opens its bile ducts and releases the toxins in the bile. And bile is a great way to get toxins escorted out of the body. Um, so you will be amazed at how you feel after a coffee enema. You're just like, really? I can tick on the world. Yeah, it's really powerful. Um, and I actually made a booty buzz guide that I have on my freebies on my website because it's it can be intimidating. You're just like, oh, what is this? But, you know, get over it feeling weird or feeling weird about it because like whatever, this has been done, enemas have been done for a long time. So don't ever think it, just do it. Yeah. Amazing. That's it's amazing. That's a lot. I thought you were going to talk, t- start talking to me about 
appropriate herbs and appropriate supplements. Yeah. We went straight to the straight to coffee the enema. Does. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's I'm incredible. a big fan. Yeah. So that's, that's one thing. Um, and then, I mean, I think coffee animas are going to like skyrocket in popularity in the next few years, you know? Okay. You heard it here. You heard it here. <laughs> um, and then, then I would also say like, yeah, dialing in digestion. I mean, this has kind of been a theme that we've been talking about. Um, and the, the different tools that I use for that with people are things like herbal bitters, Okay. So our herbal bitters, it's like an ancient, they're bitter herbs that then are tinctured and then you spray into your mouth like 15 to 30 minutes. These are not the bitters eat. I buy when I'm making a cocktail. Correct. Yes, okay. exactly. Different bitters. Yeah. Got it. But bitter, you have to taste it. And what mm. that does is start stimulate your gastric juices and your hydrochloric acid production mm. in your stomach so you can digest your food. So that's a great technique. And it's also it can be used after eating if you're experiencing any indigestion. Um, and then the stuff that we think is basic, but no one's doing chewing your food really well. Right. Yeah. I can't do that. I eat too fast. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, chewing at least 20 to 30 times. I tell my clients, drink your, drink your solids and chew your liquids. And what that means is you want to chew your food until it becomes liquid in your mouth. And when you're doing a smoothie or something to drink besides water, you want to swish it around in your mouth so that it actually, that saliva in your mouth contains digestive enzymes like um, amylase, which helps break down carbohydrates. Yeah. So a lot of times we're just like, you know, doing our smoothies and just chugging them down. They totally miss the amylase. We're not digesting that well at all. Oh boy. And that can lead to yeast overgrowth and dysbiosis on other levels. Yeah. So yeah, chewing, it's simple, but it's hard. You know what I mean? It's one of those like habits you kind of like do it a few times and you're like, I got it. And then, but like, it's hard to stick with it and remember it every, every meal. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. where you come up with some um, habit stacking strategies. And there's whole books about creating good habits and the strategy behind that. But I really like habit stacking. So, you know. Is take... that the name of a book or is that a concept? No, it's a concept okay. where you take one habit and then you start to stack another habit on top of that. So it's like an association game. Mm. Um, so, you know. And also just using like post-it notes or whatever, but you can just take something you're already doing and start to associate that with this new habit. Um, so that's one way to create a habit. But there's lots of different books and resources around creating habits because that's all it really is. You just need to retrain yourself. It's not that you can't do something. That's a story and that's your history. Things can always shift and change. You know, you just need the right tools and strategies for that. Yeah. Hmm. So much to work on. No, but there's not. I don't want you to feel. <laughs> no, for my, I'm just thinking personally. I'm just like, when am I going to start with this? Yeah. I mean, this, this is the starting. This, like, this, these conversations and. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if it was me, I would start, I would recommend starting with the grace and compassion part. Yeah. Instead of like a project that, like a remodeling project that just feels like, wow, I just got to tear this whole house down and start over again. <laughs> right. Instead of just like, you know what? This is, this house is really beautiful. Like this has really served me. You know, and finding some some compassion and some grace and some gratitude for where you are at and all the things that you are doing, that helps shift the energy. When we're mm. focused on what's not working and what we're not doing, that's just creating this, um, you know, berating ourselves in our head. That's, again, creating these neural pathways that will infuse into everything that we're doing. So yeah. that's, that's, I think, the best way to break the cycle is with gratitude and acceptance and some compassion. Do you have a gratitude practice? Do you do it in a particular way? I or, do. Yeah. I was like resistant to this for a long time. Anything that's like on, you know, BuzzFeed list, I'm yeah. just like, practice gratitude and journal. I'm just like, I'm not, <laughs> that's just dumb. I just don't like that kind of stuff. 
But I do practice gratitude and I've always done it before without having a formal practice. But now in the morning, um, the first thing I do when I have like, I do kind of a adrenal elixir first thing in the morning Mm -hmm. and I'll sit down at my table while I'm still kind of sleepy and I'll write three things that I'm grateful for today. And I've got a notebook, especially for this, that I also then write my affirmation. I have one affirmation statement that I write five times. So it takes me like 10 minutes in the morning to write my gratitude and my affirmation and I drink my elixir and that I'm ready, ready yeah. for the next stage. And do you, I, I, I've gone through phases where I've done like a gratitude journal and it, it always like, I always felt like it has to be, it has to be the thing, it has to be big. It ha- I can't be grateful for, I don't know, a nicely shaved head. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> I can't be grateful for, uh, I don't know, this pen that I love. Like it seems so minor in the cosmic scheme of it needs to be impressive and then i'd be like so unimpressed with the things i was grateful for that i would stop oh yeah i yeah. get that but you know we also live in a holographic universe so the everything is contained in the anything right so if Ooh. you can see the beauty in anything then you can start to see the beauty in everything it's all the same it's all made of that same miracle like whatever is behind all of this it contains the same essence of consciousness as does the great mystery wow so so we, went to a, we went to a whole new place right there. Yeah. Well, I have a master's in Eastern philosophy and cosmology, so I could talk about this kind of stuff all day. Wow. But um, so like in my gratitude journal, I have some neighbors that um, are just lovely. Like they're always outside playing cards and it's like an older couple with their son. And they just like they laugh so freely and they make jokes with each other. And it just is so like it warms my heart when I hear them because... They're just such happy people. Yeah. And so I'm grateful for them. I'm grateful that they're like part of my community and they don't even know it. You know, so it's like little things like that and just like sending them, sending them a little bit of love. Um, and the other day I was grateful that when I went to pay for groceries, I didn't need to worry that there wasn't going to be enough money on my card. Like, yeah. That used to be a thing. Right. So having that, I'm like, God, that feels so good. Like, I'm so grateful for that because um, that, that's not everybody's experience and that certainly wasn't my experience. So it's those little things that are just like, you know, infuse infuse you with love for everything. And then when you've got that, the love blinders on, everything you see, you're, you know, eventually you can become grateful for, for all the things and see the beauty. Wow. That's amazing. Should um, I just mic drop right there? <laughs> I mean, so many times you could have mic dropped. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, while I have you though, so at your experience as an herbalist, is there anything, no matter where you are in your nutrition experience, your mm-hmm. health journey, is there any herbs that one might stock as a, just a general practice like that yeah. you recommend keeping around? Yeah. So I'm obsessed with adaptogens. Okay. Are you familiar with adaptogens? I mean, know the word. I don't know what to yeah. do with it. So yeah. So it's basically a class of herbs that just help create more resilience in their body, in your body. They don't push you in one way or the other. So some herbs will create more heat in the body. Some herbs will cool you down. You know, like ginger is going to heat you up. Peppermint is going to cool you down. Adaptogens just help balance your body to what whatever your body needs. They're kind of like smart herbs, if you will. Mm. So these are things like cordyceps, uh, reishi, ashwagandha, shatavari, um, cottonopsis, like all of these different, there's a whole class of adaptogens and they are just powerful and they're smart and they're beautiful. And, and they're, they're honestly like made for us in this 21st century of, you know, I think the key word during this time is resiliency, Mm -hmm. right? We need to be resilient with what comes Um, and adaptogens are like our best friend for doing that. So my favorite is shaga. Shaga is like my spirit mushroom. Okay. Um, it grows on birch trees in like Siberia and in Northern and Canada. 
and you can make tea with it and you can also find some like adaptogenic you know tincture blends or tea blends but chaga is my favorite reishi is also excellent for mm-hmm. that so you know some of these medicinal mushrooms are really good um, and then ashwagandha is another really oh. calming and sort of just centering relaxing herb I'm so glad I asked. Yeah. I'm going to have to check some of those out. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a, a couple favorite blends that I can tell you. Amazing. And I was just going through some of your posts, as it were. And I thought this mm-hmm. one was funny because it was it said, stop doing these things. Mm-hmm. You, you remember which one I'm talking about? To, to up-level your health or to feel better? I don't know. Yeah, but I don't but remember I, what I said. But I looked at the list and I was like, oh boy. Uh- <laughs> They were things on the list were like, you're working too much. You're eating crap foods. You're negative self-talk. You're bottling your emotions. And I was like, I was like, man, if, if the, if the goal of this list is to check off as many as possible, (laughs) I am killing it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But then I looked more closely and I was like, I am killing myself. Oh yeah. (laughs) Well, what did you take away from that? Was there anything that you were able to be like, change your relationship to those things? Uh, I mean, I, bottling emotions, that's sort of like, I don't know, the way I grew up, it wasn't like something we really learned to talk about. So there's work to do there. And, mm-hmm. uh, I'm just kind of like this whole, like being a massage therapist post COVID and figuring it out. I kind of feel like I need to keep my schedule open as much as possible, especially since I'm also a co-parent. So I got to be present with them when they're here. And then I feel guilty if I'm working when they're here. So it's oh, like a whole yeah. piece there. And then we've talked about how I've had experience eating crap food cyclically, like, yeah, yeah. I don't even know if I'm fully out of that cycle right now, but I'm feeling a little bit better about it. And then, I mean, negative self-talk, don't even get me started. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I, like, I I don't know if this is like a weird juxtaposition that I kind of laugh about these things, but I I find that for me, that's kind of the best way to like move through them. You know, sometimes you laugh not to cry. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think just laughing is just good medicine. And I just love to laugh, especially at ourself. Like, I think that's the best thing you can do because it takes some of the pressure off. Like, oh, I need to be perfect versus like, wow, I am really killing it on the not doing the right things part. Like that just kind of eases some pressure. Yeah. Um, And also like these things don't all happen overnight. Like this has been a journey and it will be a journey, you know, and it's just like one little step at a time you move forward and you and like I said it's not a linear path right so it's not just like let me fix all of these things and then I'll be perfect well that's boring too then what like enjoy the ride and part of the process and the unfolding because where you are now is going to be the roadmap for somebody in the future just like what I'm doing now like my struggle like I was I had serious struggles like uh, mentally emotionally physically spiritually and that is why I can show up now and mm-hmm. and offer this because I've been through that and you know my it's now my my gift yeah that's so cool what where does this idea of radical responsibility come in Yeah. So that's a huge one, right? Because in our society, in our culture, we want to outsource our health to the doctor or to the government that get like, well, they must, they sell it. It must be safe. Right. So we're putting our, our health in someone else's hands. And that Mm. is super dangerous because these entities are not looking out for our best health. Right. So we need to take full radical response ability, which means that we get to choose how we respond to things in our life. Ah. So it's not just that, of course, bad things are going to happen, but 100 percent you have control how you want to respond to that, how you want to interpret that, what meaning you want to give to that. That is all 100 percent you. So say I think I've used this example before, but like, you know, 
say you like got a parking ticket and you're like, oh, I'm never going to like, you know, this is another ticket and I'm just so irritated. I'm such a loser, blah, blah, blah. Or you can make it mean like, oh, what a good sign that I need to like read, read signs more and pay attention to what's around me. That Mm -hmm. turns it into a lesson versus a punishment. Right. And I think that's kind of you can use that in all areas of your life of just slowing down and saying, what is this? What is this asking me and how can I create meaning that serves me? Right. So it's just it's reframing things. I love that. Yeah. What what about resources? What I I said earlier, I was going to ask you about some. Any, any books that are top of mind for you right now? Anything you want to want to shout out that I could look into or any, anyone who hears this could look into? Yeah. Well, I'm obsessed with Joe Dispenza yeah. lately. So yeah. he's got a really good book called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Okay. Um, and it's basically using quantum physics um, and quantum reality to rewire your brain and to create the, real, the reality that you want in your life. So it's really powerful and it's based in science. So it's not, you know, like super woo-woo. It's like really, he's a neuroscientist. So I really like that book um and then i mean that's one of my favorites lately i read a lot of nerdy nutrition stuff Mm. i will say that another one of my favorites is byron katie are you familiar with her work no she has something called the work um but this is another good way to reframe things that it's kind of um getting out of the pattern in your mind and seeing it from a different perspective so she takes whatever you're thinking and then you look at that thought you know that thought and see if that's actually true and then can you reverse the thought? Is the opposite actually true? So she does a lot more eloquently. But the point is, it's another tool in your toolbox to to learn the model so that when you see things, when you think things, you're not automatically believing your thoughts. That's where the problem is. Mm. You need to make some space between you and your thoughts so you can choose to believe that or create a new story yeah. that serves you better. And these are just some tools that that support that. That's great. Joe Dispenza and... Byron Katie. Byron Katie. Yeah. Some reading material. Okay, so thanks so much for being here. Oh my God, it was my yeah. pleasure. This was Can so you fun. believe it? An I, hour went by. Oh my God, yeah, I could just talk forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, please come back sometime. Oh, thank you. So, but maybe maybe let me, and, well, I know where to find you. Yeah. Um, but let people know the best way to reach out and to learn more and resources. Yeah. So my website, kellykincaid.com. My first name is Gaelic, so it's K-E-L-L-E-I-G-H. K-I-N-C-A-I-D. Um, so kellykincaid.com is my website. I've got lots of freebies on there, like free guides and um, other resources. And then also Instagram. I'm very active on Instagram, and that's just at kellykincaidwellness. Um, but I do a lot of stories and do posts on there and really just try to provide as much value as possible. Um, I do one-to-one clients right now. Mm-hmm. So that's where I really get um, so much inspiration and just I love working one-on-one with people. So And they can, can be anywhere. They can be anywhere. that's all virtual. It's all yeah. virtual. Yep. So you can much connect Much like everything me. in the world. But yeah, even exactly. if it wasn't like covid like you could be anywhere yep. yeah yep exactly so you can yeah. connect with me um through instagram for that or my website as well that's great yeah all right well this has been the first interview on the self-care mission Woo-hoo. i couldn't be more <laughs> happy that you, you were able to join me and wow such an honor oh, cool. thank you so much yeah i really appreciate it yeah thank you well i can't thank kelly enough for being my first interview guest here on the self-care mission All of the links will be in the show notes if you want to look up anything that she mentioned. And I know that I'm going to be going back through this and trying to implement 
some of these great ideas that she brought to us today. If you want to follow along more, you can find The Self-Care Mission at theselfcaremission.com. There's a newsletter, there's this podcast, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the places. And I certainly hope that you take this mission and that you join me in this ongoing adventure. <laughs>